Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Welcome to post 4th of July. I celebrate everything celebratable times three now. So I do pre the actual holiday and then post. So it pretty much accumulates every single day of my life, pre birthdays, post birthdays, everything and anything I can because I try to be at times a celebrant and I want to celebrate my two Michaels, uh, Michael Diamond. He's been here since the beginning, the OG of office hours, my very dear friend, the dose of positivity himself. Thank you for joining me, my buddy. Always good morning, sir. And we also remember the TV show, The New Christine. It's the new Michael, Michael Unbroken. Hmm. He is the host of Think Unbroken and also an extraordinary speaker like Mike, author, amazing, uh, amazing co-host that I had to have join us. So it's double Michael and Dave. Post 4th of July office hours, welcome Michael and Michael. Of course, man. Favorite part of the week, buddy. Excited to be here. It is mine. It's Wacky Wednesdays with uh, Michael and Michael. Uh, And our guest, Josephine, is here. Josephine Campbell, executive coach, author, inspirational speaker at Campbell Company. Welcome to office hours. Thank you, David. I'm happy to be here. Oh, my goodness. That voice is so lovely. Thank you for coming. So it's uh, matching yours. (laughs) Well, thank you. Uh, We are so blessed. You know, uh, you obviously fit in with the three of us in the same genre, helping people and empowering people. Um, And your book, Power Barometer, is something that we discuss often is energy. And uh, with my favorite two energies, uh, time and money, managing personal energy, not just time and money, uh, how do we optimize that energy? First, I want to start at a general premise about energy. Uh, energy has a frequency, a vibration. How, in the context of just energy, we'll get into the power barometer of how we're measuring and utilizing and managing it. Um, how do you see or perceive energy as a frequency or a vibration? Well, I'd like to get very practical to start with and um, refer to some examples that I think almost anybody listening will be familiar with. So do you know the feeling of leaving a meeting, feeling completely drained? (laughs) Many. Yeah. Or working with someone who gives you energy where you feel full of energy afterwards. That's that's why I'm here. Excited. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why you have Michael and Michael, Mike and Mike on board, right? Exactly. Because they give energy, right? Yeah. So everybody are familiar with those concepts. And and sure, energy has frequencies and vibrations. And but I find that when we talk about energy in a very practical way, we get everybody on board. And that's what I'm trying to do because we are working with the concept of energy in companies, at workplaces with people who have many different ways of perceiving the world. And some people are very practical and some are very quantitative. So some work with finance, some work with IT, some work with uh, people, some work with creativity, like you name it. But just for everybody to take responsibility about the meeting room and the energy in the meeting room, we need to get everybody on board. And it has a massive effect. Does it make sense to you? Oh, yeah. When I, when I, I, I bring I, it to that level? So, I love it. So she, yeah, so sure, I can feel many frequencies, but if everybody in the room can't, then we've got to speak about it in a different way. 
Yeah. And it's maybe they have the capability, but maybe they're not like, maybe yeah. they don't think right now that's what they should do or it makes sense to them. Yeah. Does it make sense what I'm yeah. saying? 100%. And, and David, I just love you just go deep right away. Right yeah, away, the meat and the potatoes. We don't have time to F around here. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I can hear that. Simple. I can hear that. Hey, let's get right to it. And it's the best way to expose your background as well. And you can tell, you know, now setting a tone, Michael, you look perplexed. Michael Diamond. No, I have a great question about energy. So I see you're a four-time jiu-jitsu champion. And I do jiu-jitsu and jiu-jitsu is about transference of energy, knowing when to sometimes be in your guard and when, and when to take a position. And you relate that to how you do leadership, correct, and how you do life. So when you start off, a lot of people make the mistake of not understanding people's energy and then working how to move that energy, mirror match, and you can change the energy of a room or you can shift the energy, right, by understanding. If someone's off, you don't have to go stay off. You can meet them and then redirect them. So I'd like you to talk about how that, how you use that procedure. Because I know if you studied your, your four-time champion in jiu-jitsu, you've got to use those skills in life and people do understand this. It's martial arts. It's the, that, that martial art or the Buddhism and the mindfulness that we don't know how to transfer into the workplace and make it congruent. Yeah. So there are two answers to your question. One is in a coaching situation where I can support someone else in getting um, in tune with their own energy and essence in the very moment, connecting to the authentic through self, you know, the, the essence of who you always have been, like even at the moment you entered this world, right? There's a part of us and that's kind of the core of your energy, right? And and everybody seems to kind of, kind of connect and recognize with that. In that moment, I'm guiding people and I'm letting them experience how it feels to be connected to that part of yourself. Oh, well, not, most people are connected to it, but just let it, you know, let it, grow and let it be all of you right maybe sometimes people only have that in the upper part of their body and, and we try to put it all the way down and make it bigger mm -hmm. but that can be a little abstract to some people and it's easier to try it when they feel it and i show it then everybody can experience it if i do trainings or if i have to like explain people something that is tangible i um I kind of just stay with the concept of being aware or being unaware. So Mike, what you were talking about also is there's a difference between, I also heard that subtlety in, in what you were saying. Sometimes you are aware of, and then you can actually direct your energy and sometimes you're unaware and then you will just be acting with your autopilot, right? And, and that happens to all of us. It also happens to me sometimes, right? And I think in today's workplace, where we're under such a big pressure, um, people have, are so busy. <laughs> they have so little time. And there are all these changes all the time and a lot of unpredictability. Then people very often get what I call hijacked and they become unaware. And that subtlety between when I'm hijacked and when I, I am ready, that is what I'm trying to teach people to navigate within. And that's also what is in my book part of it there's, there's there's a matrix in my book it has two axes one is are you aware or unaware when you are aware you are ready you're in what i call the green zone and when you are hijacked 
you're in the red zone, you're unaware. And then there's another axis, which is your energy level. Is it high or is it low? And you know, sometimes at the end of a day, the energy is low and it can be okay. But then you got to recharge your battery and it's okay to be mellow. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. You just got to be aware of it. And you're aware of it if you're in the green zone. If you're low on energy and you're unaware, you're what I call fragile. And that's when mm -hmm. we do things we sometimes regret or that hurts other people, even sometimes when we are unaware of it. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, that's where I stay in the book. That's kind of my ambition level in the book, trying to make it practical and tangible. And yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I, I love that. This idea about fragile, because I think it's so true. If I go back and I look at any of the, the mistakes and lessons learned that were the most difficult in my personal life. It's always when I was vibrating in a low energy where I was negative, where um, maybe I was around other people who were the same. And and I love this idea about moving towards more awareness. But what I'm curious about, you know, we're all of us here in this room are leaders. And sometimes we bring on a lot of the energy of not only whether it be our clients or our customers or our own employees, how as leaders can we be more effective about navigating our energy and, and staying in that awareness as opposed to getting that side of fragility, which ends up leading to, you know, business mistakes and lost opportunities and then, you know, learning uh, the hard way again. It's about being aware and taking responsibility, taking responsibility for your own energy level. So I hear you, when you speak, I hear you being aware, very aware, you take responsibility for your vibrations. I, I, I hear that, but um, you have to be aware of that matters and then you got to take the actions that are related to being aware and taking responsibilities, which could mean sleeping more hours, <laughs> taking a little more time. Again, I'm because, I, I get very practical and pragmatic and because it makes it easier for everybody to to follow along if they want to go this way, right? Uh, sometimes I advise people just to, between your team's meetings, close your eyes for one minute. And taking a break is not looking at the phone. It's closing your eyes, you know. Simple, it's, it's, it's very much about little practic practical stuff you do in your day-to-day -day life to keep yourself nurtured. That's a self-discovery on what gives you energy, what takes your energy. And you might find that part of your work is really meaningful and really fulfills you. And maybe you should spend more time in that part of your work if you can, if you're in a position where you can actually decide yourself, or maybe you have, uh, maybe you can switch tasks with some of your coworkers. So often we do this group exercise where we do this, what gives me energy, what takes energy. And it's quite beautiful how in a team, if it's diverse enough, that what takes energy from one person will give energy to another person so you can switch tasks. That's so smart. Mm -hmm. um, and Josephine, you know, in the pragmatic side, is I got mm -hmm. a good feel for, you know, you and utilization of pragmatic practices with what can be a very faith-based, theoretical, spiritual type of philosophy or perspective. Um, I have a great chain of feeding. And to that same end, taking inventory on, you know, what feeds me energy and what bleeds my energy and whether it be people, places, things, activities, events, 
uh, locations, uh, all the different variables that can feed and bleed us. One of the newer nuances that I've uh, applied to the great chain of feeding is a matrix of relativity. And the relativity is, you know, the dependent variable of the relativity that I have is time. And so, uh, you know, in that chain of, you know, feeding, falling away or firing something from my life, or you say switching with somebody else, there is a realm of relativity that there's some things, um, high pressured situations or, you know, moms, you know, certain things that can bleed us, but yet they're more relative uh, so that we have to allot a certain amount of time to things that bleed us, I should say. How, how do we integrate time as a dependent variable of making sure we're managing our time with that which feeds us most, but also minimizing the time with that which bleeds us? Wow. That's a good question. That's what they pay me for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good question. I think it's very context-specific. You know, it depends on what situation you're in, what you can do, what are your options, right? Um, But there's definitely a perspective or a kind of an answer to what you're saying, which is about our mental state, how we feel also affect how we perceive time. So if you can take yourself to a good place where you feel calm, where you're connected to your essence, then it's easier to deal with all the stress and it's going to slow down time and you can get more done with less time. I love it. It, Time is is relative. Is anything, is it a variable? Josephine Campbell, the Campbell Company, coach, author, speaker. Thank you so much for... uh, I think slowing the vibration and frequency of this unbelievably important uh, idea of managing personal energy, use your power barometer, get the book, see how we can maximize our enjoyment of the consistent, persistent pursuit of our potential by managing our personal energy, not just time and money. Thank you, Josephine, for joining us. Wonderful meeting all of you. Yep. Awesome. All right, boys, I know you're all mic'd up and we got another unbelievable entrepreneur coming on, the owner of Soulful Publicists. Welcome, Tanya. Hi, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to close 4th of July. Yes, early. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we get the the greatest women to show up because men are too lazy. Uh, So we get all these great women that are like, I'm up early anyway. I'm doing this show. Uh, which is awesome. <laughs> I love um, that. good to see you again. No, oh, well, you're we were talking about vibration and frequency, so it's a perfect uh transition uh for the soul for PR services uh, that you uh have provided and your soul for person as well with the soul opera uh that you are a vocalist. And uh, so I'm gonna start back where I started with our previous guest. Um, with your perspective of frequency uh, and vibration, which seems to play a very integral part in uh, an odd or not so common place, uh, or people talk about it, which is being a publicist. Uh, number one, what is your perspective of vibration or frequency? 
you know, not only in your business, but, but your life. Yeah. I think, um, alignment is everything. And I tell everyone that I vet people through energetic alignment. I think a lot of people are just so quick to say, oh, I want to work with this person because they have this kind of money. But honestly, if you're not aligned in your values and how you show up in the world, because they're representing me as much as I'm representing them. So I think about that all the time. I'm like, oh, this person is out there in the world. How are they showing up? How are they showing themselves true to be because they're a representation of me and how I put myself out there. So vice versa. And I think the frequency that everyone's talking about, I don't really believe like, oh, that person is low frequency and that person is high frequency. It's just what frequency are you tapped into? And you may be bringing in more or you may be bringing in less, but I don't think someone is low vibration or high vibration. I think that's very like creating the other and creating separation. And I, I don't really believe in that. Yeah. That's a great way. It, it, let me, Michael, sorry for interrupting. Cause it's interesting. Cause I do talk about lower frequency and higher frequency in a mathematical physical sense, mm-hmm. right? Like you can met, you can measure that. And I think a lot of times uh, it gets misinterpreted. It's not what I say. It's what people hear because all energy, you know, contains, uh, different frequencies, right? If you look at in, in, a, in a radio spectrum, there, there's many different frequencies uh, that are within a spectrum. Some are vibrating slower and some are vibrating faster. So if they vibrate slower, you know, it has different property. Uh, and if it vibrates faster, it, it has different properties as well. Um, I, I just have to ask this because it, it's something I want to learn. Um it, within the context of non-separation, which is definitely aligned with my beliefs, I've never been able to explain as something I believe, which is if you vibrate faster, then you would have a greater awareness. You can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than me. Than me. Mm-hmm. And the reason I believe that is the earth vibrates the slowest minerals, then... Right plants, animals, humans, then sound, which you're very familiar with, Mm -hmm. then light, then thought. And I believe the thought that vibrates the fastest is the truth. And within that spectrum of vibration, there's realms of awareness. So a rock is less aware than Einstein. Uh, And so, uh, you know, I I was curious how you would interpret that. You don't have to agree with it, but believe me, it's it's all, you know, bullshit theory that I've come up with and learned myself. So (laughs) I, I'm just, I love, I love other people's perspective of these things. Yeah, no, I think measuring frequency is important. I, I just, it's so convoluted in the conscious spiritual community. Like that person is low frequency, that yeah. high frequency. So the way you're putting into perspective makes perfect sense. And it does, your awareness does change based on how much you meditate. I mean, we all know frequency is, what you put out there and we're all either dialed up or dialed down, but that doesn't mean we're a lower frequency person or a high frequency person. It's just turning the dial up. And that's why people who sit in plant ceremonies or meditate, you know, their frequency is very open and they can call in and manifest things a lot quicker than maybe someone who is just kind of in survival mode and going day to day and not meditating. 
and it's not feeding or bleeding related, right? Some people still bleed you, even if they have a high frequency, and some will feed you. Even totally. if they do. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect. Okay. Thank you for the clarification. Very yeah. helpful. I got my free education again today. So this is oh, cool. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Mike, Diamond, Mike Diamond. All right. So Tony, you're, you're going to wear, you're gonna wear, wear that beard out always going like this. It's, mm. my, it's like mm, my thinking, my thinking strategy. <laughs> um, so we're in a world of PR. Okay. And there's a lot of people since the COVID who have created these false narratives, bought press, and the whole world of PR now, not like it was back in the day. You had to be authentic, you had to be legitimate, you couldn't make up stories, you couldn't buy press, you couldn't buy all these things. So you're in this spiritual realm of talking about frequencies and talking about PR, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're actually entering AI, where you can do anything off AI. You can, you know what I mean, create all these stories. Journalists are going to have trouble doing stories. So how do you sit in this really authentic frequency knowing Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different channels now right Mm -hmm. that aren't authentic and then how do you manage your business and then because obviously i believe cause and the effect is money so you've got to have a good cause right Mm -hmm. but you've also got to survive right right so how do you now coming into 2023 because you're talking about frequency and you come from an opera background and very spiritual person you've talked about plant medicine mm-hmm. how do you sit in this seriously with well, now you've got to make a really conscious decision do i take on this client do i not take on this client is this mm-hmm. really alignment with my values because people talk about values people talk about truth and you get around and you're like whoa we see it all the time with politics and all these things so how do you manage that energy it's a really, really good question. And I think that's something that I get to think about every day because new things come up all the time. And to speak into the AI part, there's tools that are coming up in my network in media. And we talk about it a lot, like a robot or AI generated tool can't create compassion and empathy. So specifically when they're trying to recreate an article or put it out there, uh, we've created a discussion to show that you just can't create a human emotion through AI. You can create great writing and copy, but it doesn't have the same experience as a human writing it and conveying empathy or compassion, you know? And in my world, uh, AI is helpful in the sense that it's efficient. So if I need, if I construct something and I need to kind of clean it up or judge it up, it just allows my work to be more efficient, but it doesn't necessarily impact the type of work I'm doing and the type of work I'm doing alternative wellness. You know, I started really early on saying, I don't subscribe to the word woo woo, because at this point I feel like it's part of our care. It's part of our healthcare. It's part of our self-care, a part of our wellness. And I feel like more people are recognizing that and actually bringing that into their businesses. So your energetic self, your spiritual self doesn't have to be separate from your entrepreneur self. You can actually have them coexist. They don't have to be these two separate worlds anymore. You can bring them into your meetings. You can vet people through your like inner pendulum. I do proposals that way. I kind of call in my spirit council and tell me, okay, like, what do you see for this person? And sometimes when I'm stuck creatively, you know, the only place to go is inward. And 
I don't do it all the time, but I know when I tap into that, I'm like, oh, okay, I see that. And then I I hear messages all the time too, like, oh, you should you should reach out to so and so. Like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, you know, rather than do it the hustle bustle way and do it more in a pragmatic way, that does allow me to do the work I do sometimes in a more efficient way as well. And so I encourage people to kind of bring that alternative side of themselves into their businesses, whether it's daily with their employees or in their strategy, you know, not keeping it so separate from their business and their entrepreneurial world. Yeah, I definitely am a proponent of that, Tanya. You, you said something at the beginning that I think is really important, and that's connecting with people energetically, determining whether or not you're going to bring them on as, as clients. And, you know, when we go and look at the course of the last three years during during COVID, especially, suddenly everyone um, is is a coach, is a speaker, is an author. And, and look, I'm such a proponent for this because I think it's incredibly important that we have open dialogues, especially about some of the hardest things in the world. But as we look at the transition back to whatever this new normal is, a large percentage of those people <clears throat> have fallen off. And, and what we saw, unfortunately, and we still are seeing because more people are falling off is, for lack of a better way to phrase it, a lot of snake oil being sold out in the marketplace to <coughs> people who do want to heal, who do want to be able to energetically grow, who do want to connect spiritually to themselves and to others. So, and especially in PR, PR is such an interesting industry to me because we are essentially selling ourselves and, and what we do and what we believe authentically at all times. When, when we're looking at this massive shift happening, how is it that you are working with people to make sure that you're like, what, what are the indicators? This is what I'm looking for here. Like if you were to put KPIs around spirituality and human connection, what would those be? Like, what are you actually looking for and looking at when energetically connecting with someone to determine whether or not you're going to represent them in the marketplace? Yeah. And it's not just clients, but it's also people who I work with, journalists, producers, writers, and then making sure that they're at least open to the idea of understanding the concepts that we're trying to put out there, because it's not, it's not acceptable to talk about shamanism. It's not always acceptable or the norm to talk about mediumship and the stuff that psychics and healers do. And they have, it's really hard. It's challenging. It's not hard. It's challenging to kind of cut through the noise. And so when working in people with media, I like to see that at least they have an openness or curiosity about it because not everyone's going to be like, yeah, let me jump on board and learn about ancient shamanism, right? But if there's a conversation brewing, then I'm going to step into it. And then allowing clients to come to me naturally. Most people I've worked with are referral. So I don't have a website, so not everyone can access me. But when I was working with this one amazing guy, Shaman Durek, people were flooding my DMs and all the healers, all the mystics, all the intuitives wanted to work with me because they saw that I'm taking this ancient shaman and putting him on Good Morning America or this ancient shaman and putting him on People Magazine. But the thing is, it wasn't just me. We were in a partnership. And that's what I look for. How invested are they and how much of the process do they understand? Because that is the most important thing is do they understand the process? Do they understand the time and the devotion it takes. And really, the people that I work with, which is so amazing, they get that sometimes things don't come out because they're not meant to. 
And that is, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine telling someone that in the tech industry or the fashion world, like, Hey, this isn't coming out because it's not aligned right now. Like that would be crazy. Could you imagine if you said that to like a tech client? Yeah, actually the New York times article is not coming out right now. Cause it's not aligned. It's not our time right now, but I can't tell you how many times I've had those conversations. I'm like, wow, I'm in a very unique position. <laughs> Yeah, that is a great position to be in and, you know, totally aligned with that. I have uh, worked with Master Dr. Shaw for years. He's a mind, body, soul, uh, transmission, Jigong healer. He's just an amazing person, you know, and he gets percentages from Tao on, you know, when and how and where. And so those are frequent conversations. You know, it's, it's interesting, Mike, as we finish up with uh, Tanya, you, you talked about all the people out there that, you know, our speakers, authors, uh, coaches, and it's, it's interesting because it's frequency based. Um, so at, and it wasn't just, you know, COVID that transitioned people. It's always been a matter of, uh, the difference between, you know, people who, uh, understand their frequency and those who don't. So you get a brand new speaker and put them on stage and 10% of the people are on their frequency. And so they're going to come up and tell them you're amazing. You know, mm -hmm. you, they might even tell them you changed my life. And so they immediately think I'm a great coach. I'm a great speaker. Uh, I'm a great author because, you know, 10% of the people love my book, but there's a lot that goes into uh, getting the next 80%. Now what they don't realize too is 10% of the people, no matter what are going to hate your speeches, your books and your coaching, no matter what. You're like yeah. Tabasco in a wound. Uh, but the reason there's such a great fall off and, and there always will be is because of the scalability issue that people aren't willing to do what Tanya does every day and to stick to uh, that 10% of the other 80% uh, that will continue to aggregate, accelerate and compound into your community. The same thing holds true in business. Uh, I love what uh, you know, you said about it's not the right place or the perfect time and having clients that understand that uh, that can happen, believe it or not, in the technology world, um, if you stick to what you believe in. And uh, it's a very difficult thing when you got a mortgage and uh, to continue to make an investment in yourself yeah. uh, is a difficult thing. I see it all the time. People literally let the... <laughs> the economy of what they're doing get yeah. in the way of the greater truth. Um, and they're not willing to do what it takes uh, to get that 80%. And I love the fact, you know, what an ideal client for, for me, shamans. Uh, I, I was <laughs> sitting there going, Master Shaw may be my easiest client because I can actually tell him what I'm thinking. Uh, yeah. like my true beliefs where, you know, when you're coaching people, they're telling you stuff and it's like, dude, just get out of your own way. You know, you, you'll be fine. You know, yeah. I, 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 and, but the mortgages and the car payments and the trips around the world, uh, the mm -hmm. ponies in the back, they put a lot of pressure on us and, uh, yeah, time to please come back on other shows. I got to get more into, um, the higher consciousness of PR okay. and uh, what you're doing is incredible. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks guys. So grateful. Yeah, awesome. so grateful to be with you, David. It's always a pleasure. You're amazing. Thank you. Hey, bye, guys. Bye. Happy post-4th of July. All right. 
I feel sorry for the next guy. He hasn't uh, been here long enough to see the two incredible women we've already had on, but I'm sure he'll razzle and dazzle us. CEO and founder of Razzle himself. What's up, Joe Rabini? Good morning, David. Good morning, Mike, Michael. How are you guys? Amazing. How are you? I'm excellent. Thanks. So you, we've had tons of people on here with different platforms um, and you're revolutionizing e-commerce in the e-marketplace as a, as a retailer. Uh, at, we hear it a lot, but you know, when I did a little bit of background, the one thing that stood out to me is it's, is revolutionary what you're doing because I've never seen somebody implement crowd purchasing into their virtual retail marketplace as an option. And so tons of people obviously buy and sell and community is the biggest part of building a marketplace, but no one's ever taken advantage of the community of the marketplace in order to facilitate sales. Uh, tell me exactly how that works uh, in the retail space, because I think it is revolutionary and extraordinary uh, with Razzle.com. Thank you, David. Um, so Razzle.com is the world's first and only crowd purchasing platform. So essentially, uh, we are any marketplace that people can list items on our platform and then they'll break up their asking price into shares or spots. Um, once the seller's asking price is satisfied, then uh, that list of participants is randomized through a third party called random.org. Uh, they're based out in the UK. They're recognized by MIT, um, universities, charities, et cetera, et cetera. Um, once that list is randomized, one person makes use of the item indefinitely. Our backend process allows for other people to help them um, crowd purchase something. Sounds like a raffle, but we like to say it's not. It's a razzle. Uh, we've we our our backend makes it that way, where everybody actually owns a share, and then they kind of draw straws as to who gets it. We've done some incredible stuff, like um, uh, Super Bowl for two, uh, air accommodations, two tickets to the game. Uh, the guy spent, I think, about two hundred and fifty bucks and was there. So it's it's been great to see how people are, 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 it's kind of a community to be honest, because even if they happen to not be selected, they're actually happy that they help someone else's dream come true. And, you know, I've heard that many, many times. I mean, that's incredible. How, where did it all start? Where did the idea start from? Was it just frustration, uh, pain, and just, just seeing there was just, people couldn't get stuff done. It's such a great idea. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. What's happening is, is um, it's a long story because it starts out with card breaks and collectibles, the um, like player cards, and that's how it kind of had started. And then it was being conducted uh, through social media, but in private groups. So you had to kind of get an invite. It was, it's a very gray area. When I got introduced to it after spending a significant amount of money to obtain some of the stuff that you see behind me, um, as well as other things, I said, you know what, we can probably take this mainstream um, and create our own platform. Uh, within about six months of me being introduced to it, the wheel started turning, contacted my lawyer, um, talked to them, retained a gaming uh, lawyer because we didn't want to be in that realm. We wanted to make sure that everything was on the up and up and legal. Uh, we've made it legal uh, through what we do. And... Um, the rest was history. We went through some beta testing, a lot of struggles up and down, as most entrepreneurs know. Um, the roller coaster ride still keeps going, uh, but uh, it's 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 looking really really well. We met David at Collision and um, in Toronto last week, and they invited us to the show, which is amazing. And it was a great great event. And 
you know um we just want to get the name out there and show people that there is an opportunity for you to get things that you could not normally afford or get for a fraction of the cost you look at concert tickets sporting events nowadays let's talk concert tickets let's talk swifty um you're not getting into the building uh it's unfair that the one percent is able to uh, enjoy these things as opposed to the other 99. Joe, I, I love this idea and this concept. What, what I'm curious about is from a consumer perspective, what's drawing people into this? Because on, I think on one hand, um, I'd have to assume it's a game of chance, you know, but on the other hand, it's like you get an opportunity. I mean, $250 for a Super Bowl with the airfare and the hotel, that's, that's impossible. I mean, those are 1971 numbers, right? Mm -hmm. No one does that. And so what, what I'm curious about from, from just a, a, a fan and a consumer perspective, like what is the, what is the reason why people are showing up and becoming a part of this community? Um, to be honest, it's the micro cost of everything in comparison to what it's really worth. Like we've got Raz's listed at a dollar a spot, five bucks a spot, 10, 20. We did an entire, I'm in Toronto, we're based out of Toronto. We did an entire um, uh, season of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So somebody got Leaf season tickets, all 41 home games. Uh, and we had those listed at, I think about 40 bucks. But um, the fives and tens and twenties are all things that people have the ability within their budget. You know, it's, it's a couple of Starbucks coffees um so you get you know you you put in a, you've got to grab a spot you hope for the best and uh you know you get selected so it's not a huge spend the other thing is that the um your chance of getting it is very well exposed you'll see 250 spots so it's much you have a much greater chance than anything else that you may be uh participating in as far as gamification like people just enjoy it it's it's exciting we like to say we bring excitement to traditionally marketplace transactions um so it, it's been wonderful honestly we had two we had four seats i i for a leaf game once i i um i uh i kept a pair and then i razzed the pair and then i showed up at the game and the person who got it seeing me through social and you know whatever uh saw me and they looked at me and i said i forgot what her name was now i think it was natalie hey natalie how are you and she looked at me and she's like Hey, you're Joe from Razzle. And then her husband was like, I love what you effing do, man. This is amazing. I would have never been sitting 10 rows from the ice or 20 or 15 or whatever it was. This is incredible. This is my first Leaf game. This is this. This is that. We hear it all the time, all the time. And for what they got it for is incredible. Yeah, Joe, <clears throat> what comes to mind, <clears throat> excuse me. No problem. I got that mind body fuel of uh, Mike Diamond in my throat there. Uh -huh. uh, rocking and rolling. Uh, here we go. So what's interesting is you should include a component uh, for the winner. Um, well, you know, it's not a raffle. So for the winner, we say select yeah. the purchaser. <laughs> select. Yeah. The selected utilization of the exactly. purchase that they have. The um, but the content would be unbelievable post. And so have you ever thought about requiring uh, the user of the asset uh, to create post-production content of what it meant to them to be able to utilize uh, their bucket list, their dream, their collectible, et cetera? Um, because I think as far as building a bigger marketplace in a bigger community, it would be probably one of the more powerful or valuable things you could do by you know, having that video of Natalie uh, and her husband talk about 
uh, exponential value uh, to not only future purchasers, but I think to the people who are not utilizing the asset, like you said, I'd be one of those people that if I couldn't utilize it, I'd want to see that story. It would be worth more than uh, the uh, percentage of the asset that I own. That's a great idea, David. We do take uh, a lot of their, we, we ask them to get social posts. I've taken pictures. I've met them down at the arena when they've gotten leaf tickets and whatnot. So we do take a lot of uh, screenshots from their social posts, but the video is uh, is a good idea. Something that we look into. We don't force anybody to do it because yeah. we are not a lottery per se. So, you know, it's all based on what they do. But yeah, we have, we've done similar, but usually with still photography. But yeah, getting an actual video probably would make people feel a little better and, you know, give us a little bit more validation because we truly are legit. We also have fundraising sections on our site too, which um, allows for people, let's say minor hockey or minor sports. You got parents running around with like these ballots and, you know, ripping and going to this friend's house and this aunt's house or this uncle's house and getting everybody to sign off. We say, Come over to Razzle.com. We we take a percentage, 10% from sellers. For any fundraising initiatives, we don't take any percentage. We validate who the fundraiser is for because we don't want, you know, people trying to make money on this. Um, and we don't charge anybody for that. And, you know, we offer that service for people as well. So, you know, that, that's the part of that giving back thing to help people as well. Amazing. Mike or Michael, last question. Mikey, you go I'm good. I, 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 yeah, I'm, he, I'm just he nailed thinking, it for me, Raz. I'm like, I'm like, wow. Yeah, this is super cool. What What I'm really curious about is once once people like, are you building a backside community to this? Because the thing that's popping up in my head is like, how do you how do you get them to be a part of this more than once? Because there's there's a certain defeatism that people feel where they're like, man, I spent five dollars and I didn't win the first time, and it's like, well, there. are 200 people who could potentially be selected here and so the odds are not necessarily in your favor but i think on a long enough timeline and you play enough exponentially the opportunity for you to win is there or to be selected as you say how do you keep people in the ecosystem because like you know they go on here they want madonna tickets in toronto they end up not and they're like i'll never do this again so how do you get them to go oh i was so close maybe next time um, a lot of it is really up to them. We never try to push uh, it because people have to be able to um, participate beyond uh, along their means. However, we do find that there is a significant amount of repeat, like our open rate on emails. People are interested. Our open rate on emails is somewhere between 50 and 60 percent, which is unheard of. Um, our cost per acquisition is down about four bucks um which again is unheard of so people are interested in the community and they join in our facebook uh group and our our instagram uh, followers so we do a lot of uh promoting within there so they do feel and we do show these success stories per se of people that have actually participated and you know walked away with a pair of tickets or a super bowl etc so they just they keep coming back on their own free will it's not because um now do we market absolutely we do send emails out but we also send emails out to last five opened. We're not going to, you know, keep hammering somebody who hasn't opened up an email in three months. Um, we just, we go to the people that, you know, enjoy participating and then, and it's catching steam now because our membership has tripled. Um, so we've been doing this for four years with, from development to beta testing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when we actually started focusing on it, focusing on our advertising, 
uh, in the last say six months to 12 months, we've actually tripled our membership. So it's Mike and Michael and Mike telling, you know, a couple of friends and then them telling a couple of friends and then them telling a couple of friends because they're participating in this and enjoying it and having a great time with it. So that's, yeah, it's great. It's community. <clears throat> it's a great, great idea. And it is revolutionizing, you know, whenever I, meet someone like revolutionizing e-commerce you know the marketplace retail i'm like yeah right and then somebody actually comes through so uh it's definitely something to check out and i'm sure it will only grow uh the more people the better uh, the assets and the better the participation joe rubini thanks for being our cleanup hitter check out Razol. <laughs> we got Razol dazol ceo and founder of Razol, razol.com Check it out. You may just get your bucket list item for a fraction of the uh, purchase of the asset. Thank you so much for participating with us, Joe. I look forward Thanks, to doing guys. more with you. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Have a great day, guys. And happy past fourth. Okay. There you go. Post fourth holiday here at Office Hours with the Michael and Michael Show. <clears throat> What's up, brothers? It's time for my favorite part, which is the Napoleonic uh, side of it. Uh as Napoleon Hill has in, inspired us to do this. Uh, it's right. Napoleonic Hill. Uh, anyway, Mike, you've been Take taking away. notes uh, diligently. What's your takeaway for the day? It was really interesting, everyone. There was a beautiful, um, simplistic, taking responsibility and a pragmatic like structure to today, which I loved from every guest. Like even though we were talking about some spiritual things or, you know, first guess, it, it was just doing the basics. Like just like, like like today, right? Getting up and getting on the podcast and being of service, doing the basics. Do you know what I mean? I think that's where people get it over. Just all this mumbo jumbo. And, and and what I loved about it, because all these people are freaking out about AI. And I said to someone the other day, to me, it's a, it's fine because I have to personally help people and do interventions. A robot can't do my job. They just yeah. can't. So it's like you always say, just stay in you, be authentic, use the information and you know what to use and not what to use and, and just push, keep going and be around the right people. So I just love the simplicity of today. Just, just do the basics. And like we get up, we do the basics and we just keep moving forward. Love that, man. Um, I, a really interesting thought came over me when, when Josephine said that your energy level can determine how fast time moves and that's something that I guess I'd never really had put two and two together. I'm thinking about like when I'm on stage, an hour goes by super fast. When I'm in here in office hours on Wednesday, an hour, 45 minutes is gone when a blink of an eye, even at 5 a.m., right? And then it's like when I am not in alignment and I'm doing things that I absolutely do not want to do, it's like, why is this taking so freaking long? <laughs> and so it's such just a beautiful reminder about this idea of like staying in alignment, staying in my authenticity, and to the best of my ability, avoiding things that take that energy from me. Because if that energy distribution is adjusting the flow of time in my life, I need to bring more attention to that. So that just, that sat with me really hard this morning. Yeah, and comment on that, Mike. That's so smart, right? Like it's, it's there's a couple of nuances in there. I, I always call it the bad movie, good movie, right? A movie can be exactly the same amount of time. A good one flies by and you can't wait for the sequel and a bad one takes forever. Uh, and the same thing holds true in life. And then 
the nuance of you know this energy bleed um i think one of the you know takeaways that i have is time as a dependent variable of all matter so you don't avoid bleeding right you allocate because it's just not pragmatic in the context of what mike diamond was saying it's not pragmatic if if you're you know in a cubbyhole at a corporation and the guy next to you is a bleeder then you're going to minimize the amount of time that you allow the interaction with that person next to you but you can't avoid it because they're sitting right next to you uh if your mother bleeds you uh as they get older they will uh you don't avoid your mom because of the relativity of the relationship you minimize the amount of time that you have that bleeding uh in your life and so i you know am very firm on the consistent side of energy meaning that it aggregates compounds and accelerates so if we give more time to that which we want to aggregate compound and accelerate and less time to the stuff that we don't but yet have a pragmatic approach of hey i i have to you know be around this person you know it it's a i can't avoid it because i think a lot of people get stuck in this you know i'm going to just avoid all negative energy it's like i'm going to avoid fear no you're going to identify fear in minimum amount of time that you spend in fear but it's not realistic to think that your ego is not going to be part of what you're doing and fear is not going to play a role in evoking your ego. And so uh, no matter who we are. So I think one of the aspects of why I study time and the relativity of time in the aspect of being a dependent variable is it really reduces the amount of bleeding in my life. And that's the takeaway. Go ahead, Mike. No, just what you said was so brilliant. It's, it's so I hear, I, sorry, we never go into a question, but this is what I had. So, you know, how you're talking about things. There's a point where the bleeding can become toxic. Yeah. And you also have to manage your time when you're not allowing those toxic people to bleed you. So you have to set boundaries, right? So the awareness of like, ooh, don't avoid it. Like you say, figure, uh, fear, and these, you know, I'm feeling uneasy or wow, I'm really having of trouble in the moment appreciating what this moment is like this goes fast because we enjoy it so why aren't we enjoying this so the question to you dave is when the relationship becomes toxic when is the time because sometimes you have to know when it's time to move right when you make the decision that it's too, too bleeding me too much whether it's a relative a partner or whatever when's that time when you're saying no this is not this i, I can't do this when do you make that decision yeah, well, I don't think it's an infinite decision, uh, number one. So it's a lot easier to make understanding that I can revisit the evaluation. So if I have a relative, for example, uh, a, a blood relative, which is more relative to me than most people, then I can fire them for a, a period of time and reevaluate and reprioritize. But I think when it becomes toxic enough to interfere with your trajectory in a significant way, then you can utilize time again as the dependent variable, but not in the aspect of 
minutes and moments every day, like I do with my mom, you know, minimum of one minute a day. And then I'm gauging how much she's bleeding me until it gets to be too much. And then I'm like, Hey mom, just wanted to reiterate, you know, I'm happy. I'm healthy. I love and appreciate you. I got to get the other line and I get off compared to other relatives or that it's like, you know what? I need a break and I'll, I'll revisit uh, the toxicity when I'm in a better place uh, myself to be able to spend the time or, you know, be able to handle the, the bleeding because right. you're still a, a relative of mine, you know, and, right. you know, and I think it, that that's where studying time every day, you know, it's, I really like um, ta- uh, Josephine because she's so pragmatic about this. Right. And for me, it's like, yes, there's a power barometer, but if you don't understand time, because she talks about, you know, having a manage your personal energy, not just time and money. So, you know, I've had conversations with both of you about managing your energy in the context of time being a dependent variable and money being a prioritization, right? Because you can't give more with less. And so there's this balance between our energy, the time that we spend in toxicity or, or, you know, negativity or bleeding energy and the reality of, of the energy of money, right? Because you can't give more for less. And so I'm in this constant uh, curve of, Hey, look at this time, for example, you may not have a, a lot of money. So let me help you out there because you will and i don't and and, in times the variable for the people that feed me so if somebody feeds me a lot right i'm going to be able to say hey look money's but but if there's someone that's bleeding me right i I have a a coaching client that's bleeding me and they're like well you know i can't afford it you know things are you know blah 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 i'm like fuck you (laughs) like (laughs) you know bye bye mcfly like honestly like but it's it, it it's not worth it, but I'm going to pour into somebody that feeds me until, because they can't give more with less. And money's just an energy, right? It ebbs and flows, high and low vibration. So you make that investment in the people. Same thing with a family member, same thing with a coaching client, with corporate, whatever you're doing. So time, time is the dependent variable. And when we can start just going, how much time am I going to spend with this person at this place? at this movie, you know, listening to this podcast, reading this book, now you get a real gauge on how to manage your energy because you know that, you know, the more positive time that you spend in positivity, you know, like reading a dose of positivity is a good use of your personal energy uh, in that context. So uh, you guys are awesome. It's 5.55 here in California. Uh, We woke up at 5 a.m. So just pay attention to the fives today, everyone. Uh, maybe go buy a Johnny Bench baseball card or something else that has to do with five, uh, <laughs> drive 55. I don't know, whatever it is, uh, keep your eye on five. I'm the first to raise your awareness to it. <laughs> I love you guys. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you guys. Right on. This was the whispering edition of Office Hours with the whispers. Uh, anyway, uh, Michael Unbroken, the incredible at Michael Unbroken, and of course, Michael Diamond, uh, a dose of positivity. All right, everyone. It is post-holiday here in the United States, post-4th of July. 
Remember, uh, we'll be doing training on Friday. I will be over the next 10 days transmitting from Italy. As usual, we will try not to miss too much. Enjoying our day. Uh, as always, email me if you want a signed copy of my book or anything else I can help you with. That's david at dmelzer.com. We have Friday trainings. We have groups and whatever else we have. It's all just email me. It's free. It's me. Email me, david at dmelzer.com. Most importantly, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks.